What up, everybody? I want to welcome you all back to the Socks and Sandals podcast, where society, culture, history, and religion collide, and we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. It's your boy, Emmanuel. I'm back in the kitchen. I'm whipping it up, and I have another awesome, very special guest with me. Um, Shout out to Linda Green. She's the plug for this connection right here. Um, I have the gentleman by the name of William Johnson, very insightful, very knowledgeable brother with me. Go ahead and say what's up to the people. Hey, what's up, people? I hope you uh, get a little nugget from what we're about to talk about because it is a um, epidemic out there. And um, as we delve into it, you know, we hope that you can pick from it, use it, apply it, and or um, offer it up to somebody that you see in a situation as we're about to talk about. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I think uh, I think they're going to get more than a nugget. Out of this conversation, so. <laughs> they're gonna get a whole meal. You know, they're gonna get a so. buffet. Yeah. So, um, and and the topic at hand is domestic violence. Um, in episode thirty-three, once again, I referenced Linda Green. We had an awesome episode. She gave us a lot of background info. Um, and Brother Johnson, he's gonna give us info from the counseling men that are required to take a fifty-two week course. Like, right? Is it for you have to be convicted, or is it just what? How, how do they get to this course? Majority of them are coming out of Washington County or mm-hmm. any of the counties surrounding Portland. Um, so a large percentage would say about 80% is coming from the jails and prison. Mm-hmm. And then the other 20% are walk-ins yeah. through referrals, through pastors, through friends, mm-hmm. um, researching on the Internet. Yeah. You know. Okay. So tell us about yourself a little bit, you know, uh, who you are, where you're from, you know, how did you get to this point? Okay. Um, I'm from originally from New Jersey. Okay. And I transplanted myself out here. First state, 12 years up in uh, Washington State, a mm-hmm. little country town called North Bend. Mm. And then I said, let me see what Oregon's about. So I <laughs> moved down to Oregon in 2003. So... Um, I my field was drug and alcohol mm. and 17 years of doing that um, shout out to celebrate recovery that's where I was the uh, ministry leader for those that time and God moved on my heart and said it's time to move into another area um, that he sees fit for me <coughs> to move into so he brought me into the domestic violence arena which opened my eyes you Mm. know um one because it was i know nothing about it you know as yourself you said i know nothing about this this is way out of my league um and in doing some research i was sitting at a seminar and the woman who spoke who was my boss um said if anybody's interested come talk to me and you know i sat in my chair and i was like eh and then I went and talked to her, and from there, went through a training um, and started looking into it and saw that it is an epidemic out there, a silent mm-hmm. epidemic, because mm-hmm. most of it is never talked about, and most of it comes through the forefront um, through interventions from the uh, police. Um, so, you know, we're raised not to say what goes on in our house, so... Uh, it's very hard to see unless you see a woman, unfortunately, with a black eye or, you know, she goes and tells somebody mm-hmm. that she's being abused. Yeah. You know? So 
it's it's a silent epidemic you know we get a little splash of it on the news you know from our athletes and that's that's the extent of it mm. um yeah the nfl that's what the, all you hear them right. talk about in the off season right yeah um or your you know your singers your rappers or whatever mm-hmm. but then it's it's for sensational not to say hey we got a problem and let's do something about it it's just you know you're a player or you're a rapper <clears throat> you're in a high level like a better term society and they they want to splash your name cover it for a little bit and mm-hmm. then tuck it away mm-hmm. so to get the word out of what it actually is um to allow people to know that it's just not physical. Um, there's other forms of abuse that society has come to accept. Um, and so it's skirted under the table. So if you're not, their thing is if you're not hitting someone, then it's just normal course of business, mm. which is crazy. Now it's, that's what you said kind of stuck out to me. It's like you said, there are forms that that society accepts. Right. Um, and when I was saying, you know, before we started recording, was like when I was sitting with Linda and she was informing me about all this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just not common knowledge, man. They don't teach this in school. No. They don't. There's not like I don't know TV shows about their movie. You know, it's just you might see a Lifetime movie, but who's really watching a Lifetime movie <laughs> other than certain women? You know, so. Um, There's been a couple of movies. One that um, we keep showing um, our guys is Ike and Tina Turner. Well, what's for that sure. got to do with it? Yeah, you know, there's some clips in there that are very blatant and apparent mm-hmm. of abuse. True. But if you if you go back and you look at your Archie Bunker, your George Jefferson, mm-hmm. you know things that we laughed at, mm-hmm. but yet it was demeaning to women. You know, on a verbal, you know, on a psychological forefront. Right. But we all sat back and laughed. Oh, this is funny. So, and I don't remember if I had asked Linda this or not. Mm-hmm. Like, so the the current definition of domestic violence is it a is it a new definition? Well, if you look at domestic violence has come to the forefront it's we're 15 20 years in Mm. okay so um that phrase was just kind of coined right okay 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 so then they break it down and they say okay what is it and it's broken down to um anybody who exhorts power and control over another individual Mm -hmm. okay so as we're moving forward it's starting to come out more but it's not where it should be mm-hmm. you know like we just had this big craze of guys being charged with uh sexual assault right you know so they were tipping the i call it the upper echelon mm-hmm. folks mm-hmm. and as they dive deeper they <coughs> see it's pretty rampant yeah it's very rampant yeah. you know um this is me saying it, but will they do something about it? Well, who do what about it? Will will society do something about it, or will they just brush it? Yeah. You know, okay, we have this media spotlight for two, three weeks. You know, we just had the Golden Globes. Oprah said her thing. So I where do we that. go? Where I do we that. go from there? What did she say? Did you? 
I didn't you? catch. I caught glimpse of it that one of the things that stuck me is, and this is paraphrasing, that help is on the way. Mm. Okay. Okay. Um, I forget how she exactly said it, but it was basically help is coming, not that help is here. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, um, again, it's that splash and dash. Okay, we, we put it out there. We we got several guys to resign. We got several women to speak up of um, the atrocities done to them, and then it's shoved. You know. Yeah. So it's I'm the type that's always looking. So okay, down the road. Was this just a splash and dash, or were they really serious? Mm. And so time will tell. Right. Um, but as far as domestic uh, violence, it's always been. Right. You know, but it had raised to a level. Um, they did their studies, and they said, okay, um, this is a problem, but it's not, like you said earlier, it's not a problem where we're talking about it in schools, where we're talking about it in church. Mm-hmm. You know, church is the biggest place where you think a woman can go and express, but there's a lot of, lack of a better term, scripture saying, well, he's the head of the household, you have to go listen. You know, so mm-hmm. pastors aren't very attuned to it unless they have a staff you know Mm. um um, there's a few Uh, i have to shout out mount alibit because they're on the forefront of saying go here go there right i have had guys um refer to me from them so Mm -hmm. they're not just saying oh go back with him or it's not that bad because he's not hitting you Mm -hmm. it's let's go to the guy let's talk to him and then let's refer him yeah you know that's good um but again, it's society that says, oh, this is dirty laundry. We really don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, because if, if I talk about it, if our organization talks about it, then we have to get our hands dirty. Mm-hmm. You know, and in that sense, a lot of people don't want to do it. Yeah. You know, um, why is it that I have to go into churches and just stick, you know, um, little cards in the bathroom. You know, you can't talk about it on the on a pulpit. On there's, pulpit. there's no. Yeah. You know, again, it's one of those. Well, as long as it's not in our house, it's you know. But it is. <laughs> it, it is. It's everywhere. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and I just, <coughs> you know, I where I work, I work in um, educational field, and. I listen to women talk, and I'm like, that sounds like a little abuse there, mm-hmm. that you can't do what you want to do, mm-hmm. that you, you know, um, your money's not your money, or you hear things. Mm-hmm. And then the sad part of it is I t- teach in 7th uh, and 8th graders, there's abuse as young as those kids, mm-hmm. you know, dating, mm-hmm. dating violence, mm-hmm. you know, so... Um, you know, but the big thing in the school is not talking about that, but it's talking about bullying. Hmm. You know, um, so you're right; it's not talked about. It's, and I applaud you for bringing this out. You know that, hey, let's just look at it a little more. Let's, you know, 
hopefully through this broadcast we can touch some people to say, hmm, maybe I'm being abused. Yeah. So let's start with the foundation. Let's talk about, you know, what is domestic violence in all of its different forms because it's not okay. just physical, right? Right. So yeah. if we if we if we start it with physical because that's what society knows, we have hitting, shoving, grabbing, slapping, kicking, pinching, hair pulling, strangulation, um, making somebody move against their will. So that's just physical, and it you know. People say, okay, I, I got that. Mm-hmm. I can see the evidence. But if we, if we went around to um, sexual, you have rape, unwanted touch, uh, sexual comments or jokes, put-downs, attacking body parts. You know, this could be in a marriage or in a dating situation. Mm-hmm. Requiring her to dress a certain way is huge. Mm. Um, extreme jealousy, pornography, affairs, um, interrupting sleep, pouting. You know, under sexual. Then if you go to property, it's like punching walls or doors, kicking, hitting furniture, throwing things, destroying things, slamming doors, um, sabotaging the car, which is huge. I don't want you to go anywhere, so I'll just pull the, the uh, spark plugs. Wow. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, then we can uh, go around to spiritual. Now, spiritual is interesting because... If our father figure is God and God is perfect, then the man at the house should be. So in spiritual, it affects the children's view of God. Mm. So if my dad is mean, cruel, then God is mean and cruel. If Mm. you're telling me to say, that's my heavenly father, then he's like my earthly father. Mm. So um, misuse of scripture or... um, Negatively affecting somebody's image of God or self, uh, demanding submission and obedience, questioning her salvation, not letting her go to church, or making her go to a church that she dislikes. You know, mm. um, financial. Wow, that's deep. Yeah, making her go to a church that she doesn't like. Right. Uh, under financial, you have um, controlling the money unilateral decisions, lying about finances, hidden accounts, um, restricting employment or making her work, Mm. um, not paying child support or spousal support, denying basic needs, requiring her to account for every penny. Mm. So that's like someone would send their wife, partner, or significant other to the store, and she has to come back and account for everything, Mm. okay? Denying her basic needs, you know, like things that she needs to be as a woman, and you say, no, you can't have it. Um, It could be as simple as setting her up to (coughs) take care of the books, the finances, but you are then going behind her back and just burning up the ATM machine, but then blaming her, Mm. you know. Mm. Verbal is put-downs, name-calling, swearing, threats, abusive jokes. The silent treatment, which is huge. Most guys says, well, I just want to keep my mouth shut. Mm. I'll just keep my mouth shut. We got an argument. I just keep my mouth shut. But that is still power and control because you're not allowing her to express her thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will drive somebody patty because now I can't speak. He's not speaking. I can't speak. He's, he's, making, he's shutting me down also mm-hmm. as he shuts down. Mm. 
Um, continuous arguments, you know, the following from room to room. Mm-hmm. Um, belittling. Uh, controlling the conversation. Countering. Oh, you don't mean that. That's not what I said. Mm. How, how, how could you um, interpret that as what I said? So you're making her feel crazy. You know, she's saying, you said this. And he said, no, I didn't say that. Or you misunderstood me. You know? Mm-hmm. And we'll get to more of the, the psyche of the mind of the male. Um, and then we have psychological. Now, here is the worst. When a woman makes a statement, I'd much rather him hit me than to use psychological tactics. Mm. So under psychological is mind games, mental coercion, uh, using licks, looks or stares to intimidate fear. So I don't have to hit you, but I can stand or uh, puff up mm. to assert um, you better listen to me. Mm-hmm without even touching you. Um, then we have our uh, stalkings, um, our spying, going through purse, phone, emails. Guys do that, you know. Well, uh, yeah, women do that too. That's true. They, they all they that's to go true. through your phone. <laughs> wife, uh, babe, that's, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's abuse. Uh, using, <laughs> using the children, uh, depriving um, her of partner, depriving your partner of friends and family, um, continuous moving, so she can't plant roots, she can't get close to someone, um, uh, making her feel crazy, public humiliation, you know, like you, she goes to sit down and you pull the chair, or you're using jokes that are, you'd be surprised, (laughs) Or, or you're using jokes against her Mm. you know Um, and then all forms of abuse is psychological because it leaves an imprint Mm. you know so that would be you know um, just the snippet of abuse yeah as we look into the domestic violence world foundation you know I kind of want to touch on because I'm I'm a Christian you're Christian Mm -hmm. right you go to Maui Mm-mm. No, okay. no. I go to um, shout out to East River Fellowship over in Hillsboro. Okay, all right, East River. Mm-hmm. What up with it? Um, so I go to Mount Olivet. Um, that's my home church. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife, mm-hmm. she was coming with me mm-hmm. after we got married. Mm-hmm. It just didn't work out. Okay, you know, uh, she grew up. Well, her her grandfather is Bishop Wells okay. at Emmanuel Temple. Or mm-hmm. they call it Emmanuel Church now. <clears throat> Two totally different styles mm-hmm. of service. Um, it just wasn't working out. Right. And so it got to the point where it was like, it was a point of contention. It's like, babe, we can't be split apart. But at the end of the day, I was like, you know what? I'd rather you go somewhere and get fed and get, you know what I mean? Get right. what you need as opposed to just being with me because I'm the, I'm the man in the household and we should mm-hmm. go. I'm supposed to lead, mm-hmm. be the spiritual leader. So... You know, she goes there. I go to Mount Olivet. Sometimes I go with her, mm-hmm. but I had to, I had to let go of that after about two years of us going back and forth. I was like, all right, you know what? I'm not even gonna fight you. And it's like, and do, do what you do. And, and <clears throat> sometimes you have to in a relationship, you have to come to an agreement to a compromise. Yeah. So it's not taking a situation such as a church 
and you asserting your power and control over and say you have to mm-hmm. do this you have to go there you're making me look bad this that and the other but coming up to agreement of a okay i will go with you and support you despite where i want to go mm-hmm. you know coming alongside of her or b how about we visit each other we'll go to our separate churches but we'll go and visit each other mm-hmm. you know because sometimes you want to go with your wife on sunday to oh church, yeah you know so but what i like what i heard you say was after going around and around i had to submit to letting her do her thing and it's not like i let like i allowed her you mm-hmm. know she she did what she wanted to do mm-hmm. but i was just like you know what i'm not even going right i'm not going to keep going back and forth like it's look and All right, I, I respect it, you know? Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to get to that piece of saying, is this the, is this the hill I want to die on? Exactly. You know? So how can we make this work? Can mm-hmm. we sit down as a couple and come up with a solution that is amenable to both? Mm-hmm. In a domestic violence situation not saying that you were a guy would say nope you're going here you're making me look bad and constantly making her feel uh, inferior okay I gotta go with him because if I don't go with him this is what's gonna happen mm-hmm okay so that's that power <clears throat> and control and that's again what could happen could be you know could be physical but it also could be mental it could be the constant arguing, the constant tit for tat. Mm-hmm. Well, you won't go to church with me, so I'm not going to do this. You know, and that's where the power and control comes. Yeah, I don't got time for that. I don't got time for <laughs> going back and forth. <laughs> right. Over some, you know, I mean, it's it's important, but like I said, the most important thing is that she's going. Right. You know, she's getting mm-hmm. what she needs. So, mm-hmm. and 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 she works retail, so she doesn't. She's not. She's pretty much working at least two Sundays. Mm-hmm per month so when she's when she's going to work i take the kids to my church and then mm-hmm. when she's not working then i go with her you know right. so it's it works out it it works out yeah and again like i said in a in a power and control situation it would never work out mm-hmm. um because she's not free to do what she wants to do yeah you know um because that person has that control over her and said this is what you will do mm-hmm not given any regards to like you said well this was her upbringing this is what she's used to this is who her heritage is yeah and accepting that and saying i will be okay right yeah now tell me about the part of you were saying also with the spiritual piece it, it's all this stuff kind of popped out to me because it's stuff it's conversations that i have you mm-hmm. know with my my guys and um it just especially younger christians younger married couples mm-hmm. You know, the young dude wants to have that conversation with his wife. Yo, babe, you need to submit. Okay? It says in the Bible that you're supposed to submit, and you're not submitting. You know, <laughs> like that conversation, I already know. Like, I, I've been through it. Actually, luckily, I was I went through premarital counseling okay. with Pastor Martin. Mm-hmm. So, what that counseling does for the couples is you get through your first year of arguments in like three months mm-hmm. <laughs> so he hits everything that we're gonna so i was fortunate to be able to talk 
I was always be able to, to get taught out of that right. conversation. So like, look, you're going to have this conversation as a man. It's not going to work. Right. You know, um, what do you hear? What do you see as so far as a spiritual? What happens is society sets man up to, like a better term, fail by giving them a false sense of who they are. Mm. Okay. So if you look at media, men are portrayed as strong, uh, courageous. They know everything. Mm. They do everything. You know, I'm a man. I got this. Mm -hmm. You know. Whereas when it comes into relationships, they take that thought, I am the man, you have to listen to me. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they take scripture, which is spiritual abuse, out of contents. You know, God gave Adam, Eve, as a helpmate to cohabitate together mm-hmm. and walk the earth. But, you know, sin happened and it got all discombobulated. Mm-hmm. So now, it was Eve's fault. So therefore, I got to keep. Oh, I got. I got to keep Eve in check. You see what I'm saying? Well, <laughs> just playing. But if you look, Trump's advocate, right? Now. If you look at it, if mm-hmm. you want to break that part down, <laughs> God said, Adam, of all these things in the garden, you can eat. Don't touch the tree of life and death. Okay, mm-hmm. tree of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Okay. My question to you was Eve there? Mm. I don't think that is the point where it I don't think she doesn't she didn't have to be there. It's Adam's responsibility to tell her, right? Okay, let's And then hold didn't on, the on, serpent on, you, 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 She she had knowledge. Do this. She had knowledge. No. She didn't have any knowledge. Eve was not created. If you look if you No, oh, she man. was created. No, Male and female wasn't. he at created time, them. At the time he told him, because then a scripture below says, then he formed Eve. Or something to that effect. I'll find it for you. She wasn't there. Well, so not was, not at that point in scripture. It was yeah. Adam's responsibility mm-hmm. to tell her, to protect her. No, I at I that feel time, you. I feel you. I, okay. I feel you to a certain extent. Um, and then, well, let me let me take you one further. Go ahead. Then Adam began blame shifting, which most guys in domestic violence do. I'm not saying mm-hmm. Adam was domestic violence. Well, if she hadn't oh, eaten that was, apple, yeah. then we wouldn't be in this situation. And God, if you did not create her... This woman you gave we, me. We wouldn't be in that situation. <laughs> so if you look at scripture... It's, Adam, are you saying, are you saying command, Adam was a, was it, a domestic abuse? Is that, is that what you're no, saying? No, I'm not saying he was. Hold on now. But he did not stick <laughs> up. He, he did not he did. stick up for her. Mm, that's deep. You know... He blame shifted everything. Mm-hmm. So, in your world of addiction, in your world of domestic uh, violence, they're always blame shifting. It's everybody else's fault but mine. Mm-hmm. If she would have cooked dinner, I would not have had to yell. If she would have um, got gas in the car, I would not have been late for work. Instead of taking responsibility to say, I have to go to work, I got to make sure there's gas in there. Mm-hmm. If Eve didn't eat the apple, we wouldn't be in this situation. Okay. 
God said, I'll make a helper suitable for you because it's not good for man to be alone. Mm -hmm. You know, so they take that whole thing out of contents and they miss the part of Eve wasn't created at the time of the commandment. It's dependent on who you talk to. That's it's a, in the that's Bible. A, I know, but there there are there are certain people, um, like from the Judaic background, because they have the the Bible, but they also have like mm-hmm. the Mishnah and the Gemara. They have all these other stories. So if you talk to them, they'll be like, "Well, you know, the Bible is just a framework. There's way more context to these stories that lay people, like you know, non-Jewish people, we don't even have." So. I've I've heard I've heard more context of that story than what we have in the Bible. Um so but according to what you're saying and what mm-hmm. we what we all generally have, mm-hmm. yes. And, but but at the end of the day all I'm saying is uh I just wanted you to speak to, you know, cat, you know, brothers taking stuff out of context, you know, they, the Bible and trying to force it on on their woman. Pastors do it. Okay. People people use the Bible for their game. Oh. Okay. Well, the Bible says this. Yep. So if you look at spiritual abuse, the Bible says this and you have to submit. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, um, you have to love me because it says right here, you have to love me. Mm Mm-hmm. But they take it out of context. Okay. Um, And to a woman, to be your helpmate is to come alongside you and you come alongside of her and you sail off in the love boat and you enjoy life. Mm-hmm. But that's not how it is because because of the fall, men took on a whole different persona. So if you look at the Old Testament mm-hmm. where God said you can't divorce, okay, he says this. Then a couple chapters later, he says, I will grant you, Moses says, I will grant you this divorce, but you will take care of the orphans and the widows. Well, so they, they granted it, but they had some stipulations. And I tell guys, that's the first 2,000 years ago, they were talking about child support then, <laughs> and they're talking about child support now. <laughs> so the Bible, to me, is very relevant. Yeah. Um, and as we look to it, we as men are supposed to model Jesus. Okay? We're supposed to have that compassionate heart. We're supposed to give grace. We're supposed to extend mercy. We're supposed to model that. Mm. But there's a word that they use and they say, well, you have to humble yourself and you have to uh, suffer humility and all of that. Where they look at humility as weak. Okay, so from a man's perspective, if I tell you you have to be humble, you'll say, man, I ain't weak. I'm strong, man. I'm I'm not humbling myself. Mm -hmm. But what's the Bible says about humble? You know, you humble yourself. That means you're putting others before you. Okay, so if you look at a relationship, you're putting your wife before you. Is it to say... I can't live with this woman. She's not perfect. No, but it's to say, I will come alongside of you. Let me come alongside of you. Mm -hmm. Or you come alongside of me. You know, it doesn't make 
one dominant more society has created that mm-hmm. so you're looking at um, your movies they portray it you look at your magazines men health oh you got to have a six pack and you got to have a whole <laughs> bunch of muscles uh, you look at six the, pack clean, of what? That's the <laughs> clean cut guy mm-hmm. you know the hero the white knight type of um, that's what a man's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So if you're trying to portray that, then you're going to have to step on some people. Mm. You know? And so we have to look at society and we have to say, okay, we have to go to the Bible. What does God say? What a man is supposed to be. How a man is supposed to act. Mm-hmm. You know? Society doesn't tell you that because, you know, they, their thoughts of the Bible is whatever. It's just a fairy tale. But if mm-hmm. you really look and study it, it is how we're supposed to act. Same thing that happened in the Bible is still happening today. Mm-hmm. It was talked about then, and it's still talked about now. Mm-hmm. You know, different words, different contents, but it's still, you know. Yeah. Um, the lessons are applicable. Yeah. Yeah. But it's 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 very easy in the church to miscue it. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys will go to the pastor. She's not listening to me. You know, so they'll run to the pastor or the elders and say, she's not listening to me, and I'm this and that and other, and something's wrong with her. And like I said, those churches who aren't up on abuse or whatever will say, bring her in. And basically, chastise her. You know what's cold about that? Mm-hmm. Depending on what you're reading, you can get support. Mm-hmm. Or opposition. True. Depending on you can you can pull out some verses. Well, you can pull out. Man, you can go to the book of Esther. I just read the book of Esther today. I read. I'm on chapter nine. I read okay. chapters one through nine. Okay. I've never read that book. Amazing. Mm-hmm. But it started out with uh, it was like the king of Babylon, like Artaxerxes or something like that, and uh, Queen Vashti, mm-hmm. Vashti, however you pronounce it. He told her to come here, like for some, like he told the queen, "Hey, I'm having this feast. I want you to come through." Mm-hmm. And she said no. Mm-hmm. And then all his all his people was like. You know, how, how dare she say no to the king? It's not in your best interest to have a woman say no. If the queen says no to you, then women, the common women, won't listen to their husbands. Mm-hmm. So basically, he replaced, like, she got dethroned. Yep. They found him a new, mm-hmm. you know, virgin, whatever. And it was Esther. She was a Hebrew. All this stuff. But, like, if that if that woman don't listen to her husband... Granted, now I think about it, you can't you can't use that because he wasn't even Jewish. He wasn't a Hebrew. He wasn't an Israelite. But you can use it as the contents. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm the king. You told me no. Mm-hmm. How dare you tell me no? And especially, how dare you tell me no in front of people? Right now, they're going to talk about me. Right. You have just ruined my image. Right. Okay. Take that in the contents of domestic violence. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. You know? So, yes, there's, there's pieces in the Bible where you can see it. You can say, hey, 
man, this is interesting. Like, say, if you took a simple thing as, say, boundaries. Mm. You know, God provided boundaries not to keep us from, but to protect us. Right. Okay. So, <coughs> you get in a situation where, in a relationship, uh, I see it more, seen it more in um, the addiction field. It's still in domestic violence, but I'll use addiction just for the sake of this conversation, mm -hmm. where a wife or uh, a parent will say, if you come home drunk, this is what's going to happen. Mm. We are going to lock the doors. We're not allowing you to come in or whatever have you. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's a boundary. So what are we taught to do? We're taught as a young child. Oh, they're just playing. They don't really mean it. Mm. They're not going to lock the door. They're not going to leave. So now they bust that boundary. Mm. Okay. In domestic violence, a woman might say, you have to go get help, or this is what I'm going to do, okay? So a guy had come to our, our class saying that, well, she's making me come here, okay? I can only speculate that they had a conversation she has brought to his attention. You're being very abusive in these areas or whatever go to class mm -hmm. so he says no so she says here's a uh, i.e. restraining order or separation notice or whatever now it's how dare she do this I'm going to go over there and talk to her I'm going to make her listen to me you know so again disrespecting a person's boundary thinking it's all about you and you're going to get your way and that's taught to men from a young age mm. okay what else is taught from us that if you grew up in a domestic violence household you're going to be two things you're going to be outwardly aggressive or you're going to be passive aggressive outwardly aggressive means you're just going to be verbal and you're just going to be physical because that's what you saw that's how you were raised mm-hmm yeah. Passive is, I, you have to listen to me because I'm going to save you because the world is cruel. Okay? So they're thinking they are saving someone for whatever reason. You know, I am the white knight. I'm going to rescue you. Mm. But you're going to have to listen to me. And you cannot have any thoughts of your own. And it's done subtly. All of this is done subtly because when a couple is dating, there's no there's no abuse. You know, everybody mm -hmm. puts on their best thing and they're strutting their best peacock feathers and blah blah blah. Life is good mm -hmm. until it gets into you know until it settles in. You know, like you said, premarital counseling. You know, we're going to talk about these things, but they get married. And the guy has always had these traits. And I implore you for going to premarital counseling because it, uh, it starts to unpack things. Okay. 
<clears throat> your average wedding does no premarital counsel. Your average couple getting married doesn't look into one another's suitcase, doesn't ask those questions. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why God says no intimacy before marriage, because once intimacy enters, everything else is out the door. Mm. So if you took the stance of saying, hmm, let me find out what this woman I profess to love, what her background is. How was her dad? How did her dad treat her mom? What kind of mom was she submissive? You know, you start looking and you start questioning and you start sharing your heart. You start telling, you know, for a guy, that's not, nine out of 10 times, that's not happening. Because mm -hmm. if I admit to you my vulnerable spots, then you're going to take advantage of me and I have to protect them at all costs. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we'll put our best foot forward until such a time I figure all this out. Mm -hmm. You know, um, but going through a premarital counselor where you start to unpack those tough questions. What was your family like? life? What was your dad like? Could avoid a lot of this. You know, mm -hmm. because... If someone said, well, you know, my upbringing was pretty rough. You know, my dad beat my mom and there's a lot of drinking and whatnot. You could start to work with that gentleman and say, where are you at? Because we want to break that generational curse. Mm -hmm. You know, and the guys that we teach, that's what we're trying to tell them. Most of them have children and mm -hmm. we say, you are the catalyst to break this curse you know God isn't done with you you're a good man you just did some bad things God has a plan for everyone sitting here let's let's get to work you know um, and we, we just keep encouraging because you're made in God's image so being made in God's image God's not junk God's not dirty mm -hmm. you know I'm making you my likeness and my image, you know. So we have to instill that in guys. You've just done some bad things. And I said, if you look at the Bible, there's guys. <coughs> King David did some mm -hmm. bad things. Had an affair with Bathsheba and then tried to cover it up. Mm -hmm. Okay, you're going you're gonna to have to face the music. Mm -hmm. I tell him, God's been knocking on your heart. And the little warning light went on and you just ignored it. And then, bam, here you are. Now, you have a choice to change your ways or to continue, you know. Mm. So, I kind of want to transition. Mm -hmm. You tell me which direction we should go from here, uh, just based upon where we're at. So, we can go into either the cycle of abuse What's or up? we can go into, you know, what goes on in the course. What do, what do you think is good? Let's look at the psycho abuse. Okay. Um, and the only reason I want to go there is because it it's a cycle. Yeah. You know, the, the guy did not just wake up that day and said, I'm going to be abusive. And I think as we go through this, you will see. So what I want to do is start at the event. So the abuse part mm -hmm. and then go through the cycle. So you have the abuse. It's, um, it's, after all these pieces comes up, okay, and you'll hear, you'll see how it goes. So the abusive 
situation happens. Okay, the next piece of the pie is the guilt phase. After the abuse, the abuser may feel uh, have feelings of guilt, but not true repentance. Okay, mm-hmm. um, because nothing has changed. Uh, he's motivated by fear. Oh, what if she calls the cops? What mm. if she tells her sister? What if she tells her mom? What if she tells her dad? That is the guilt. Um, or the fear of losing her. From there, it, it goes to he's now rationalizing. The abuser quickly moves into telling himself that the victim is at fault. If she only did what I told her to do, I wouldn't have abused her. Mm. Okay. And, you know, we go back to the types of abuse, any one of those. I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have hit her. I wouldn't have thrown the food up against the wall. I wouldn't have punched the door. I wouldn't have put a hole in the wall if she would have done what she was supposed to do. So that's the stage. He's telling himself, it's okay. If she didn't do that, I wouldn't have did that. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Then here's a sick, sick is a term I'm going to use, but you probably heard it a lot, the honeymoon phase. Of course, for sure. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Between the incidents of abuse, the abuser often behaves normally (coughs) or especially well. He may act as if nothing has happened. Typically, the victim is forced to participate in the cover-up. Things are not normal because the victim knows she cannot talk about the certain situation. Okay, so we go. So that's when the flowers come. That's when the candy comes. That's when the trips come. Mm. Let's just act like nothing happened. That's when that comes after? That comes after he's rationalizing. So we're we're coming around the cycle. Mm -hmm. Um, I have fully rationalized that it's her fault. And if she would have acted accordingly, I would have did what I did. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's take this back to normal. Let's get back to normal. Everything's everything's lovely. Mm-hmm. In his mind, but not in her mind. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, how does abuse start? It goes to the case building. The abuser begins to build his case about a past or future abuse. To help justify the next attack, the abuser starts using excuses and negative self-talk he made in the rationalization part. So that is, okay, um, he's case building. Man, if I, don't, if I come home and dinner's not on the table, mm-hmm, she's going to hear about it. Mm. So the negative self-talk starts to play mm-hmm. in his mind. Um, if my laundry isn't done, she's going to hear about it. Okay. Um, he's building a case mm-hmm. for his abuse. Okay. Then the planning. The abuser begins scanning or thinking of reasons to commit the next attack. His negative self-talk, which we talked about, leads him into the planning what he must do or what must happen in order for the situation to be set up for the next abusive act. Okay. So now he, he's, he's, he's in a cycle. He, he's, he's case building. 
okay? He knows, he knows his wife works the same amount of hours as he does. He knows she gets home after he does or might get home before he does. He knows there's no way after getting picking up the kids or doing whatever, dinner will be ready. Mm-hmm. But he's the king of the castle. I want my food here and, I, you know, all of this kind of stuff. So that's the planning. And then the setup is the abuser will create and control the situation in which the victim has no choice but to react in a way that will, in an abuser's mind, justify the abuse. Dinner wasn't ready. Gas wasn't in the car. You're getting it. So it's a cycle. And when you talk to people about a cycle, a lot of people are unaware because they think they just woke up. <laughs> you know, and said, today's the day I'm being abusive. Mm. But it's not. It's a cycle that starts. <clears throat> And it goes through these stages, and then it happens. And guys start to light up because we make them do an assignment. What does their cycle look like? Where does their cycle begin? Mm-hmm. Okay. To bring awareness that it happens, and that it happens so much, it's automatic. It is automatic. You know? So, so with that cycle... Mm-hmm. How do you coach them to break it? Okay. To break this cycle, first off, we got to understand that abuse can be stopped. Oh, unlike, yeah. unlike addiction, the abuser, once he crossed the threshold of his house or his dwelling, he's not abusive. Mm-hmm. You know, and I tell people that, and they look at it, oh, well, no. Because most guys know they can't act that way in church. They can't act that way on their job. Mm-hmm. Domestic violence is an intimate partner situation. That's what uh, that's what um, Linda Linda she says intimate partner violence. That's what right. she calls it. She doesn't like using domestic violence. So once he crosses the threshold, it's a different person, mm. and he knows he can stop. And that's the premise that I go off. You can stop it. Oh yeah. Okay. But you have to get yourself to a point where you want to stop it. You have to get to a point that in a relationship you cannot have all the power. But what about those guys that say, I mean, maybe they do want to stop, Mm -hmm. but they just don't know how to control their emotions. Like they haven't been able to master that. And those are those are most of my guys. Mm-hmm. To stop anything, you have to realize where it comes from. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in guys, majority of guys don't want to go back into their childhood. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because if you go back into my childhood, it's going to expose all my inner hurts. Okay. It's going to expose that maybe I was abandoned. Maybe I was unloved. Maybe I was rejected. A lot of things go back to your childhood. And it's that inner child that's in a man that is driving him. Wow. Think about it. 
the only thing that you are that you come ready for in life is the fear of falling and the fear of loud noise that's the only thing everything else is learned so you know the people say if it can be learned it can be unlearned but to unlearn means we have to dissect who you are and where you came from acknowledge some of the things <coughs> that did not go right in your life mm-hmm. okay maybe you were abandoned okay Maybe that abandonment issue has grown to that I'm going to hold on so tight to this relationship, she's not going to be able to go anywhere. Mm. You're not leaving me like my mom left me or my dad left me. I was going to say, what's a what's a common thread of a certain childhood experiences that lead to... Unloved? S- feeling unloved as a child. Okay. okay. Um, guys will grow up to dads saying... You know, because they're coming out of that cycle. Now, remember that. The cycle is continuing. The generational curse, as they talk about in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So, a guy might grow up, you'll never amount to anything. What's that play on a guy's psyche? So, a guy has a choice. I will see you when you say, I'll never amount to anything. So, I'm either going to prove you right, or I'm going to prove you wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's 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 something that's planted in him. I wish you were never born. You were a mistake. All of these things a person holds on to, a guy holds on to, mm-hmm. because now he's fighting against the world. Because the world says you got to be mean, cruel, and tough if you want to survive. Yeah. So it all goes back to your childhood. And it can't be overlooked because that's where the dissection, because that's where I tell the guy, I am so sorry you had to experience that. Your defenses around it is false and we have to, you have to find within yourself to remove it. Okay. It's not, you ask most guys in an argument with their, wife, spouse, or significant other, who do they see? A lot of them will say, I see my mom. Mm. So they're reacting off their past. You know? Mm. And we tell them, that's not your mom, that's your wife. Keep telling yourself, that's not my mom, that's my wife. Mm -hmm. To approach it differently. Guys aren't... When it... When a guy leaves the household, or when anybody leaves the household at 18, you know, you're a man, goodbye. Mm -hmm. Nobody sits you down and says, okay, you have experienced some things. You have seen some things that you should not have seen. Things that have happened to you that should not have happened to you. Mm -hmm. There's no course correction. You're just cast out into the world. So... Where do you think your survival tools come from? As a child, you just perfect them as you grow up. In order for you not to hurt me, I have this wall built that you can't get in. And if I perceive danger, I'm going to lash out. Mm -hmm. That's from your childhood. So when you get into a relationship, 
those things that have not been settled will start to appear. Mm-hmm. You know, say your wife says one thing that reminds you of what your dad used to say. Mm. Boom. That hits a hidden hurt. And now you go back to how did I address this when I was a kid when that was said? You know, mm-hmm. it all starts your childhood. Mm. You know, again, people didn't wake up as drug addicts and alcoholics, same as uh, abusers. You did not wake up, it was seeded in you. Mm. And that seed was cultivated. So, what happens is we have to get that pathway to die. In order to die, we have to set you on a new path. And setting you on a new path, you're going to have to forge the jungle. But if you stay to the task at hand, you will create a new path, a new neuron, Mm -hmm. which you can do. Mm -hmm. But in order to do it, you have to expose yourself. And most guys don't want to do that. Yeah, that's that's hard work. I mean, it it doesn't matter what you're doing in your life. Mm Mm-hmm. Whenever you're trying to break a bad habit, because uh, it's what you know, it's what you know. And but it's but it's also it's psychological, but it's physiological, right? So like when you when you stop doing something mm-hmm. that you've been doing, and your body is so used to that, you have withdrawals. You do. Your body goes through withdrawal the same way. Mm-hmm. A, a, a substance abuse, you know, substance abuser would go right. through withdrawals. So when they're trying to change who they are, like they're they're really changing who they are. They have to become a new person. You you are, you know, um, like the Bible talks about. You are a new man. Mm-hmm. You're a new creation. Mm-hmm. Old things have passed away. Yeah. Behold, new things. Yeah. So you're going to have to walk through that. You know, um, look at what God did with Moses. I can't speak, man. You know, I've been teased. I've been this. I've been that. Mm-hmm. And he says, I know you can do this. You know, Moses is probably thinking, hey, you're sending me to a pharaoh who can have my head lopped off in a drop at a snap of a finger? Mm-hmm. You know? So there's, there's always that refining. Moses was refined, you know, in the desert. Okay, let's, oh, oh, wait a minute, guy. I got plans for you, but we got to do some refining. Mm-hmm. If you go through this process, <clears throat> you'll see great and wonderful things. But if you choose not to, that's your choice. You know, God gives us a choice. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Moses, he he didn't take he didn't take the whole <laughs> task though. You know what I mean? He still brought Aaron with him. <coughs> He was his interpreter. So it's it's those things that, as a man says, oh, no, 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 because of what society says. Society says, grow up, be a good football player, you'll make it to the pros. Stats are, what, 2 to 5% make it to the pros? Mm-hmm. But you still have kids and parents aiding them to say, you're going to make it to the pros. Mm-hmm. And they don't. You know, and then they become, hmm, I spent my whole life and I can't make it. What am I going to do? 
their whole value was in that. Mm. What am I going to do? Instead of society coming out and saying, we're only taking 2 to 5%. So don't bank on this. This is not a given. You know, but... Um, but you got you got to shoot for the moon, though. You can't you can't tell your kid, you can't raise your kid and tell, him, well, son, you're probably not gonna make it. You you probably aren't gonna succeed. Okay, so just give up said. while you're ahead. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> you can still have your son play soccer, football, or whatever, <laughs> but you base it in reality. Mm-mm. Son, I hope you make it to but the pros. You, but, but, but realistically, mm-hmm. it might not happen. And if it doesn't happen. These are our fallbacks. Yeah. You know? I guess. Yeah, everybody wants everybody wants their kid to be. But again, it's mm-hmm. society pushing you. So is society pushing you or is God pushing you? If God is pushing you, you're going to tell them both sides of the coin. And you're going to help mold them to accept both sides of the coin. Hey, you may make it, you may not make it. Mm-hmm. If you don't make it, you're still a great kid. You gave it your best, mm-hmm. and that's, I'm still proud of you. Mm-hmm. We don't do that with our little boys. Nah, I, I don't. You know? I'll, I I tell them, because I, I don't know, I, I feel like my son, he's already too cynical. He's like, um, I, I wasn't going to win anyway. Like, we're playing video games. Uh, you know, but I'm just like, man, what kind of defeated attitude? Mm-hmm. Like, nah, you can so, win everything. You can make, you can do so whatever you want to do. Question. Whatever you How want. do you come alongside of that? What do you mean? How do you come alongside of him to change his view? Um, that he can win every time he plays, or that he can he can do whatever he put his mind to. How do I come alongside that? So he's saying, I never win. He does generalize like or like he'll he'll make excuses. Right. Okay. And I, I probably did the same thing. And I was his age. he's eight years old. Mm-hmm. So we're playing video games. And I, I, was, I always set it up where mm-hmm. it's tied at the end. Mm-hmm. Like I let him beat me in the first half and I come back and I tie it up in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And then there's always a chance for him to win. Mm-hmm. It's it's literally 50 50 at that point. OK. When I win. He's like, oh, I was going to lose anyway. You always win. Mm-hmm. But then when he wins, yeah, like he's all gloating in my face. <laughs> so what I am trying to teach him balance is like when you, if you lose or when you lose, you have to know how to lose. Mm-hmm. But you always have to have the mentality that I can always win. I, the, the possibility is always mine. I can do whatever I put my mind to if I focus. And I always tell him when he loses where he made mistakes. Mm-hmm. And like Elijah, you could have won if you would have did this, if you would have called a timeout, if you would have, you know. So I'm always coaching for the best possible situation. I don't want him to focus on, well, I don't have to win. Or I just, you're, you're in the game. Mm-hmm. You might as well win. If you're going to do it, don't have any regrets. Do it to the best of your ability. Shoot for the moon if you land on the stars. It's all good. Shoot for the NFL if you land mm-hmm. with a college scholarship and free college education I mean in a great you know these great experiences in life you good what up y'all I had to hop in here real quick man and cut this one short just because this was a two hour conversation so uh, when you listen to part two it's gonna pick up exactly 
where we left off so appreciate y'all for listening um fellas we got work to do we really have a lot of work to do we got to unlearn a lot of things we've been socialized a certain way and uh we got to unlearn some toxic toxic behaviors and thought patterns sisters don't put up with it uh if you encounter it run from it call us out first see if we change if we don't change run away there's gonna be somebody else that can get it right i promise you um but appreciate y'all for listening once again this is socks and sandals podcast where society culture history and religion collide and we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. part two coming up right after this all right love y'all peace